Welcome to the Data Guru Podcast. We're your hosts, Scarlett Burks and Laurel Wilhelm Volpe. We will trade off hosting duties this year to bring you a wide range of data experts discussing audience strategy, emerging trends, and practical ways to boost campaign performance. Welcome to today's podcast. The past year has held a series of Check John announcements affecting the ad tech and MarTech industries. Google is following Firefox and Safari initiatives by blocking third-party cookies, and they just announced last month that they will delay the transition to 2023. Apple is assigning a new meaning to tracking by blocking the use of identifiers for advertisers, known as IDFA, and iOS 15 will start limiting the use of emails and IP addresses. To give you a reference for all these changes, we've included a timeline in the show notes, so we hope you will check that out. We are excited to have our favorite data guru, Linda Harrison, with us today, along with Vicki Bacar, Senior Product Manager for Data Innovation, to dive into these changes and talk about the impact to Axiom Data products on our industry and on us as people. So, Linda, we'll start with you. We haven't checked in with you in a while. Update us on your role and your team's expanded mission at Axiom. Yeah, so I'm excited to be here today. And now my title is Director of Data Strategy. So in the past, I really covered digital strategy, but now we're talking email, direct mail, data pens for the indirect team, etc. So we're moving and grooving with omni-channel marketing. That sounds awesome. Vicki, how about you? Give us a quick snapshot of your background. Sure. So I've been at XM about nine years, and I've always been um, somewhat related to data. I started in data hygiene, moved on to working on our global data assets, and now more recently just working across our whole both U.S. and global data portfolio, working on new data and new product innovation. Awesome. Well, we're excited to have you both, and we'll just jump right in. The ability to stay private online and on our phones is nothing new, Vicki. Cookies can be reset at any time. Anonymous browsing is a feature on all browsers. So my first question for you is, why impose these restrictions now? Why, why is this coming down from the tech giants at this point in time? Well, um, you know, they haven't really announced exactly why they were doing it or the real reason why they were doing it. I think, you know, privacy is, is trendy, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, several years ago, it used to be seen as a nice to have to be able to stay private and to have kind of that control um, over your, your browsing and, uh, and just your data. Now it's more of a must have. So I think both Google and Apple want to be seen as being very privacy conscious. It's all of the changes that you mentioned earlier uh, when you're opening the podcast, they've been covered in the mainstream media, like the Washington Post. Um, I've seen, uh, who was it, uh, Forbes talk about it. So it's not something that's just people like you and I that are discussing. It's regular consumer like my parents. So I think being able to offer that to, to consumer is seen as a big asset and a big marketing point. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. And if it's cool, everybody's going to pick it up. And I only see the snowball gathering speed as it goes downhill. In that vein, Linda, what is the most common reaction to these changes that you're seeing and hearing from digital advertisers? Are they freaking out? Are they calm? What's going on? A bit of a mixed bag. Some are quite anxious about it and others are meh. So you have to realize that the additional time we have, don't waste it. If you have first-party data, you should really start leveraging that, growing that, being able to understand who individuals are, and getting buy-in from consumers so that you can keep that relationship, right? And testing. 
every time I'm on a podcast with you, <laughs> I talk about test, test, test. Well, this is no different that you're going to want to see what are your match rates? What is your response rate? What is your ROI today? And then what does it look like later? What variances do you have? We're putting together a big testing program for our clients. So you'll hear more about that as we get it going. Vicki, what do you see? Uh, no, I agree. I was going to say, you know, you said that testing is important. And here too, I think here it's even more important because you need to be establishing those baseline and understanding where you are today so that you can see if you're ready and if there's any more that you need to be to be doing. And same thing with the first party data. It's important more now than, uh, than ever. And we have more time to put all of those, um, all of those things together and start collecting data from from your customer. Well, Vicki, let's talk about the impact of these changes to us as just everyday people. Most think if we just say, don't track me, then we won't receive any ads at all. What will the reality be like, Vicki? Yeah, that's a that's a very common misconception that I hear around, you know, among my friends or or my family when I talk to when we talk about those things. Uh, I think maybe because we have ad blockers that have existed in the past and that did things like that. But here, what's really going to happen is when you don't have cookies or when you don't have IDFA, you can't know what me as a person, what, what I'm browsing, what websites I'm visiting. So you really have no insights on what I might be interested in. What that's going to result in are ads that I'm probably not interested in, uh, ads that are going to be based on things like where I'm located or the page that I'm on. But I don't really want to see ads for, you know, sometimes if I, if I do anonymous browsing or if you're browsing on a different computer, you're going to see ads for life insurance or just things that have no um, no bearance to, to what I'm actually want to be buying. Um, so I think we're going to be seeing more of that. And location may not even be relevant in the yes. future. Thank you, iOS 15. <laughs> Apple <laughs> is trying to take that away from us too. So while in the past you might have seen an ad for maybe a restaurant or a store that's nearby, you may not be able to even see that in the future because it won't know where you are located, right? So it'll be just a very generic ad and those typically don't work great, right? And that's why DataGuru came into existence in a lot of ways was to help people find the right product for the right person and by finding the right audience that way. So here we are. And, and see, as a consumer, I personally allow tracking on every single app because I like my Instagram ads. Um, mm -hmm. I, my favorite shoes, that shirt I'm wearing right now, is uh, one that I found thanks to Instagram ads. And I don't really want to go back to the early 2000s and the days of just getting just random ads, you know, or like, like it is when you're watching TV. I'm mix and match. Really? Yeah. It depends upon the app and my mood, whether I allow it to track or not. But one of our associates has a app that allows family understanding of your location in case someone's been lost or missing, mm -hmm. et cetera, for safety purposes. And she told that not to track. And then her family suddenly was like, we haven't seen you move in five hours. Are you okay? <laughs> Change it back to, yeah, you can track me because you're on a really a need-to-know basis. Yeah, maybe I was getting some value from that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, let's uh, switch gears from our consumer experiences and talk about Axiom products and the potential impact these changes may have. So, B, let's start with Axiom's bedrock data offering, Infobase. What do we expect to change there? 
Um, so for Infobase, it's one of our, it's probably our, one of our largest product at Axiom, and it's one where we are expecting to see the least amount of impact. And that's because Infobase is sourced from what we called offline data or offline touch points. So we have actual people data, people-based data like name and address and email. And those are still going to be available. That's not going away. Um, that's not going anywhere. And a lot of the new solution that we're seeing emerge to reach consumers online are going to be based on those identifiers. So for Infobase in, in the U.S. and in countries where we're relying on, uh, on cookies, we're not too worried. Infobase Global, we're going to have that relies... The country are a lot more mobile centric. Mm -hmm. um, so here there may be some risk in scale due to uh, some IDFAs going away, but I have been monitoring those, uh, those numbers. And so far, so good. We really haven't been seeing an impact. And that's because, like Linda was saying, you may be saying don't allow tracking on most of your apps, but then you're going to have this one app where, well, you really need them to be able to get your data. And so we're still able to use those, uh, those touch points. So I guess we can think about Infobase, as, at least Infobase in the US, as being more constant if my if I have an interest in reading, that's not going to change dramatically over time, whereas the things I've searched for around my interest in reading suspense novels, that's going to be different in terms of online search and behavior, th those things that I do. All right. So let's do a quick poll before we talk about Axiom Mobile. Between the three of us, what kind of phones do you have? I have an iPhone. How about you, Vicki? I have an iPhone. Blend iPhone. Okay. So we, we don't match, I guess, the statistics. <laughs> I know that you've looked at those on a global basis, Vicki. So uh, while we're, you know, three for three on iPhones, I guess the population of iPhones worldwide skews differently than that. But Linda, tell us more about Axiom Mobile and market signals and some things that might change there. Market signals is based on location. Right. Mm -hmm. So it understands where you are, what Bluetooth signals you've picked up. And so if you don't have any apps that allow that ability to understand where you are in time and space, we may not know that you're at the car dealer. We may not know that you're going to the gym as frequently. Mm -hmm. Right. But there'll still be enough people out there. And if we need to, we could model it right now. We don't want to do that. But there is that possibility that that would happen in the future. Right. right. So then you asked about Axiom Mobile. Axiom Mobile. Thank you. It's end of day for me. <laughs> <laughs> so Axiom Mobile is also built off of your phone, but it's built mm -hmm. off of the apps on my phone. Right. So again, it'll vary based on whether you allowed that kind of tracking or the privacy permissions on that app, whether we'll understand that you're a frequent traveler because you have lots of apps with airlines and hotels or whether you are into fitness or banking online, things like that. So again, it's based on the apps and it'll be based on the permissions. And to date, we've still seen pretty good scale with those as well. Awesome. So then Linda, two of our newer offerings, Axiom Semantic and Axiom Contextual, are really getting a lot of buzz now for the possibilities they offer when third-party cookies go away. So talk to us more about that. Yeah, so Axiom Semantic 
does rely on cookies and maids today, but we're working through the changes that will occur and doing a sync across a lot of different IDs. So think of it as like a Rosetta Stone where we'll be able to take in first party or third party data and be able to get enough scale that way. And again, if necessary, we'll model it out. And then we have data-driven contextual, which takes the information of what content can users have seen online, and then we find the corresponding URLs. So that is updated every day. So if the content is about maybe looking for a new car, right? Mm -hmm. So we've got the keywords associated with searching for a new car, maybe the brand, maybe like an SUV, maybe things about safety. So we're pulling all of the content that includes those keywords that are relevant in combination. And then we're sending the URLs associated with it. So it's constantly building on what content is going to be relevant and where you'd want to run your campaign. So it doesn't rely on those cookies. It relies on a user coming to a specific page. So that's one way that we can really be smart by using the content and then you're also being smart by finding users where they are. Best of both worlds. And talk to me about how that's a privacy first or how that protects consumer privacy, because that's something Axiom has always used as our North Star. So it's not a, a trendy item for us. That's something we've considered always as we've built our products and served our clients. So think of it as a bit of a lookalike, right? We've taken mm -hmm. the users, found the information, the content that they're looking at, built an audience off of that, and then scaled it back to what pages are relevant. So it becomes very privacy-centric that way, that we're just targeting a page that would have content about new cars without having to do all the lookups of what every page would be on the World Wide Web about new cars out in the market and maybe the problem we're having with getting chips and things like that. So... Mm -hmm. It brings together the best of both worlds, relevancy, frequency, constant updating, and uh, that privacy as well. For the privacy example, I also like, and to explain contextual in general, I, I like to take the example of TV, uh, which I think is something that our colleague Christiani keeps on, the, on using as an example. If you're thinking of, uh, so I used to watch the show Yes to the Dress, which is a, sh a show where, you know, uh, engaged women uh, try on wedding dresses. Well, if you think of that show, it's very likely that it's being watched by more women than men. Uh, mm -hmm. Likely some of them that are, you know, about to be engaged or engaged, about to be married. So you can have a very targeted audience, but you know nothing about them. All you know is that they're watching the show, but you have no idea who they are. So I think it's a pretty simple way of explaining that. Vicki, LATAM is a hot market right now. What do we see changing with our behavioral offerings there? So the behavioral offering is probably the product that's going to be the most impacted by the Google changes. That's a product that's uh, today entirely third-party cookie-based. So as it is today, we wouldn't be able to um, get any more of those tags and any more of those behavior. So we're still looking at uh, changing the type of sources that we're using and spinning off that, that product. But in the meantime, something like Axiom Semantic and Axiom Contextual are great uh, alternatives to that. Axiom Semantic works uh, in many different countries, including you know Mexico and uh, some other mm -hmm. Latin countries. So yeah, that would be a good uh, a good alternative. Linda, thinking about our partner audiences, those that we've come together with some companies with niche audience offerings that we offer through them, 
what are we thinking in terms of the impact there? So for our third-party partners, we don't really expect much change. It'll be similar to our audience propensities. Depending upon the source, we'll be able to still market to individuals, find them, and, and have no change. Vicki, do you have further thoughts there? Um, yeah, the, the only thing I would say is uh, on, you know, a few of our partner audiences might be cookie-based, but for those, we can retain the algorithm that we're using to build those models. We've already identified the data. We've already been able to to match it and understand those consumers. We can just replicate and keep on using the algorithm even without the underlying source data. And then we'll get new sources. And then we'll get new sources. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. We won't be stuck in a iteration forever, just for a short time. Yes. Right. And I think that's one of the advantages we have as Axiom because we know these different types of data and we're not pigeonholed into one area. We know how to be flexible and adaptable uh, as these changes come. So a lot of the companies that are impacted by these changes were kind of born with the internet, right? We're 10 years right. old, five years old, and that's all they've ever known. Cookies is, that's what they know how to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Axiom has been around before cookies were a thing. Um, so yeah, that's we right. definitely have an advantage there. Some of us have been around since before email was a thing. So I had to think that. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you, we, yes. <laughs> yes, we won't go there. Uh, I remember asking my company to get email. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a big deal, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, here's a question for both of you. What is the biggest takeaway for our clients in the aftermath of all these announcements and changes? What kind of what, what do you find is the advice you're delivering most often? I'll go first. For me, the, the first advice is really on your first-party data. Uh, we got lucky uh, that Google granted everyone an extension uh, because the changes were coming fast. Now, Companies really have time to think about their strategy and the type of value that they're going to be able to start providing to their customers in exchange for the data that they need to be collecting. Yeah, I say get that baseline information, start mm-hmm. testing, think how you want to, if you want to have your own identity graph, if you want to work with a partner like Axiom, you need to get going today. Understanding your customer is going to be key. Yeah, I think it's just that. It always has been, right? Right. Right. Never, never more true than today. <laughs> you have to know your customer. Um, and I think, yeah, well, some folks may think, oh, I'll relax. I've got time before I have to deal with this. It's, it's just so true. What you said is don't wait, start planning and, and making a path forward now. All right. So as we wrap up for a, a fun question for both of you, and, and we've touched on this just a, a minute ago, tell me what the first email address was that you remember creating. And I might be cheating a little bit because I read something that Vicki wrote not too long ago about this. <laughs> I, I was going to say my first one wasn't bad at all. It was my uh, my first name and my last name. Somehow, six months later, I decided to create a fun one. And that's the <laughs> one that I used for the next 10 years. And still today, that is my main email address that uh, if I don't have to actually interact with a person, that's the one that I'm using. So yeah, I, was, I was in the fifth grade or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Any anything fun for you, Linda? Yeah, mine's Linda Rocket. Because you know, obviously. I like it. I'm going somewhere. Uh-huh. To space <laughs> and beyond. I don't know. Rocket. I think I think all of mine were really boring, but I guess um because back in the day when we got email at Axiom, my username with my maiden name was Skittle. So 
I got called Skittle a lot based on the fact that S-K-I-T-T-L at Axiom, or well, it may have even been CCX Network at that point, uh, was my email address. But but I do the cutesy email names. I have a 15-year-old daughter, and I'm always trying to, we'll register for something, and I'm like, okay, is this the right email? Oh, no, I didn't like that when I created a new one. So <laughs> that happens way more often. <laughs> but that's interesting to know for, you know, because email is going to be one of the big currency that's going for, for targeting and for reaching consumers going forward. And that's, exactly. uh, you know, I'm kind of taking us back to on the work side here, but that's one of the things that's a little worrisome about the changes that are happening is that a cookie can be reset very easily. Like I'm saying, I'm still stuck with my email address from fifth grade. So yeah. if something happens to it, if it leaks, if I get give it to somebody and then I decide I didn't really want to give it to them. Mm -hmm. I don't have as many recourses as I used to have with cookies and idea face. That's my my parting words. Except iOS 15, I can get a burner email account. And now I saw a screenshot that shows that it'll give you the burner email account. You can say what website you are going to use that for. And then you can give yourself a hint as to uh, what that website is. So it could be, you know, squadcast.com and say, oh, it's my webcast. That sounds like a lot of effort for yeah. email. <laughs> but there are lots of places I don't want to give them my, my current email account. I give them like one of my ones I never look at. Yeah. yeah. So that's my burner. Just use an old email So I guess account. it's this, kind of the same concept as some of the credit card companies where they will instead of having a credit card number, they're going to generate a new one for me every time I shop to help protect my identity and my information. So. Mm-hmm. Same concept. So Bingo. Change is coming. I guess that's our, th- our theme for the day. And thank you so much, ladies, for joining me. It's always an interesting conversation when the two of you are here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you.